Revelation chapter 21, Revelation 21, and tonight we're going to talk about a call to those who are thirsty. That'll be the time, uh, the title of, the, uh, of our uh, message tonight. I do want to take a little moment to uh, review the book quickly and even the last few verses that we've been looking at. And again, uh, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, in fact, let's just go ahead and read our passage right now. In fact, we'll back up, we'll read some of what we looked at last week in Revelation 21, verse 1, and then we'll go all the way to verse 8. Okay, so we'll read this, think about this. This is about God creating a new heaven, a new earth, and introducing us to the new Jerusalem. And then he pauses before he starts describing the details of the beautiful heaven that will be a part of the new Jerusalem. He pauses to give us an invitation for those who are thirsty. Um, all right, so let's look at that tonight. Revelation 21, verse 1, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And then here's our passage for tonight, a call to the thirsty, six, verses 6 to 8. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Again, so let's think again about this book. Let's pull back a little bit and get the bigger picture. The book of Revelation. What's this book about? About what it's, the Word is saying. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. God is disclosing His plans related to His Son, Jesus Christ, for the ages. That's what the book of Revelation is about. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto Him. That's how it starts out. This 22-chapter book. It's not supposed to be kind of weird and sci, uh, you know, sci-fi stuff. This is, real, this, is, this is real and has some symbolism, but the symbolism represents literal things. So the book of Revelation, the big picture is kind of an outline that's a little... Uh, the, first, the outline of the book is given to us in chapter 1, verse I think it's verse 17. Jesus says that John will, needs to write the things that he saw. Where the first thing John saw was a vision of Jesus Christ and His glory in chapter 1. And then Jesus said, Now write the things which are. 
and the things which are were current issues of John's day, which Jesus spoke about in chapters 2 and 3. Chapters 2 and 3 are instructions, little short instructions to not all the churches, but seven specific churches of that day, which apply to all the churches. So chapter 1, the things which are, write that, John. John writes it, chapter 1. Chapter 2 and 3, the things which... Uh, the things which he saw, that was a vision of Jesus. The things which are, chapter 2 and 3, the condition of churches. And so we learn about seven types of churches, seven church-type conditions of that day, and it represents types of churches that you sometimes see today. A defiled church, a compromising church, a dead church, a on-fire church, all these different types. And then he says, now write the things which shall be. So chapter 4 through the end of the book are all future as far as a church age goes. Future things which shall be. So everything you read from chapter 4 on has not happened yet. And there's a lot of, but, but there's things that are, are current, like the, uh, what we read about heaven is true now. And what we read, we read some things in chapters 4 through 22 that are getting developed in the world. But chapters 4 uh, through 22, things which shall be. So John writes this incredible vision. And we spent time in chapters 4 to like, 20, wow, 4 to 19 have what would be considered the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation events, amazing things. I'm not going to rehash all of it, certain judgments and, and seal judgments, and we meet the certain personalities that are going to come upon the earth, including the beast uh, and the false prophet, and two uh, witnesses that God will put in Jerusalem, a bunch of stuff. And then chapter 20 begins a new age, the millennial kingdom. And it says that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to have His kingdom. It doesn't tell us a ton of details in there. You can learn more in Isaiah and some of the prophets. But we learn about the fact that Jesus is going to have His administration. And nobody's going to be worried if He's aging or tripping or falling downstairs or forgets to remember things and do His speech. By the way, I'm not making fun of our president. I think it's, I, I, I feel sad for him and I pray for him. But Jesus is not going to age. He's ageless. He's the, he's the timeless one. He's the one, the Alpha and the Omega, and He's going to run His administration, and it's going to cover the whole earth, and the whole earth's going to be full of the glory of God for a thousand years. There's going to be a rebellion after those thousand years, and then God's going to put down that rebellion forever. And then John talks about all of a sudden, there's I, heaven and earth blew, passed away. It, they, 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 were, they were gone Everything just was, was gone. There was nothing, and all he saw was a great white throne. And everything, it was like basically there was a judgment, and it appears that people are hovering in space before God. I saw the dead, small, and great stand before God. The books were open. Another book was open. It's called the Book of Life. And uh, the dead were judged out of those things. Now, those people that are dead are dead who died without Christ, are going to be resurrected in a reconstituted body, and, and, and give an account to God for their sin and never accepting Jesus. And they're going to die in their sin, and it will be a second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What a terrifying thing. Revelation 20, chapter 15. What a terrifying thing. Now, at this point, I've said this before. Again, this is where one of those things where you're like, okay, the Bible's been pretty cool so far. But if this is real, then this, this, is, this is, should be shake me up 
and should really penetrate my Christianity and my, and my, and my love and concern for people. Because if that's real, I don't want anybody going there. By the way, let's do a little pause because we're going to look at the lake of fire again a little bit tonight. I don't want to be a mean church and I don't want us to be mean Christians or church members at all. We need to be loving, okay? In our messaging, we need to be as truthful as possible, always truthful and as loving as possible, okay? Now, but there's, there's a lot of things, kind of a Christianity out there. Not, not everybody's like this. But there's some Christianity out there that says, you know, we're not going to tell you about God's wrath. We're not going to tell you about judgment. We just want you to feel good. We want you to feel comfortable. And I would say, I want somebody to come through that door and feel comfortable. I don't want it to be too hot or stinky or somebody have bad breath. And I want somebody to be friendly to them. I want you to feel good in that sense, okay? But as far as the messaging goes, the messaging is un- it can't be changed. It is what it is. And so... Sometimes there's a, there's a philosophy that says, you know, we're not going to preach judgment. We're not going to preach against sin. We're not going to do any of that stuff. We want people to feel comfortable. Um, what kind of person, what kind of neighbor would you be uh, if you knew you're, you know, you lived near the Grand Canyon and uh, for some reason, or you lived near a canyon and you knew, and you, and you, uh, you, 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 there was a dead, there was a road that drove right to the edge of the canyon and it could drive right off. What kind of neighbor would you be to say, you know, I'm going to go two miles out and I'm going to try to be a blessing to this, path, this, guy, to this guy in his car and I'm going to give him some food and make him feel good and give him some free stuff and pat him on the back and say, man, I hope you have a good drive. I hope things go well for you. Just keep going that way. It's fine. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable about it. Just keep going the way. By the way, here's some baked cookies my wife made. And by the way, you can, you know, there's a McDonald's right on the way. Why don't you go ahead and stop in there and just care for all this person. And, but let them go to a, off a cliff. What kind of pedestrian, what kind of Samaritan am I? What kind of citizen? What kind of person would love that cheap love and not tell them something that's, that's going to warn them from going off a cliff? The same thing for us as Christians on people's path of life. We want to love them, want to give to them. In fact, you should to get their attention and make them listen to you a little bit. Love creates an audience. But what kind of, what kind of love is it if I don't go to that other extent of possibly offending them? What kind of doctor would say, here, sit down. I always want you to make you feel comfortable in my office. We took some scans of you, but you know what? That might make you feel comfortable to see those scans and those x-rays. We just want to make you feel comfortable. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'll put a band-aid on that and everything. And, and he, meanwhile, the doctor knows the scans. The doctor knows what's wrong with this guy. He's got cancer. He's seen the scans. And the doctor never says anything. What kind of doctor is that? Right. An unemployed doctor, real quick. Yeah. And so... The Bible, the Holy Spirit is choosing, I didn't write this book, the Holy Spirit's choosing to disclose something that's very serious, a scan of the future. And here's a scan, he says, look, there's a lake of fire in the future, I want you to see this, do you want to avoid this? Look, here's hell in the future, you want to avoid this? It's easy to do it, it's humbling, but it's easy to do it. And so here the Bible tells us about that, and then the Bible, we're going to get back at that a little bit, then the Bible turns the page, and we see in chapter 21, verse 1, I saw, the Lord says, uh, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And so we looked at four new things last week. There's a brand new outer space and a brand new earth. This one will go away. You're going li- to be older than dirt, Christians will be. We're going to outlive it. There'll be a brand new heaven, a brand new earth. 
And then there'll be a new Jerusalem, which is already in existence now, but it'll be new to us, which will come down and set down on that new earth. And it'll be glorious. In fact, we'll learn about it later. And then there's a new freedom where John says, by the way, there's no more this dying, no more dying, no more crying, no more complaining, no more pains or sorrows, all that stuff. Gone. Yes. That'll be good. Nobody have me get any more prayer requests about stuff hurting and everything. It'll be gone. And then we learn something about this other thing. He says, unto the, he says verse, look at the end of verse 6. The Lord says, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. What is happening next, verses 6 to 8, is the Holy Spirit saying, hey, we're describing a new heaven and a new earth in the new Jerusalem. And we're going to describe the new Jerusalem a little more right now. That's what's coming up. Lots of details about the breakdown of the new Jerusalem. But before we do any more, I want you to know, call for those who are thirsty. I'm seeing this is what the Holy Spirit's doing here in this text. A call to those who are thirsty as they're running down this path, so to speak. I'm going to give you to drink those who are thirsty of the water of life freely, and you'll inherit all things. You know, in a marathon, anybody ever run a marathon? And I don't, one mile is not considered a marathon. All right. Maybe, let's say, what is the one thing, a half marathons, what is it? 13.1? I like, I can drive that. <laughs> anybody ever done a 10K, even if it was on your own? You think you did 10K before, Adam, right? Did a 10K? All right, Derek? Mil I was going to say, yeah, that's what came to my mind, yeah, military. Uh, you know, in these marathons, we've seen them. They're interesting to watch, right? I don't know if I could ever do it. When they're running, you got people on the sides. What are they doing? Handing out, here's a banana, you know. Here's a, here's a water. I don't know if they do bananas. They do bananas when you're on the bike, right? That's what it is. But sometimes they'll hand out a, a water bottle to some of them, and they're running, and, oh, thanks, and they just keep going, Right? Have you ever seen that in these marathons? They'll hand them a, a water bottle or something, just a quick chug, and they'll throw it to the side just to keep running. Let's think about water for a minute. Um, many good things cannot be obtained. Think about water. I hope I don't make everybody too thirsty. And if you really, really are thirsty, you should go ahead, go ahead and grab some. But many good things cannot be obtained without water in life. Uh, right now, you'd be dead without water. Occupying, what is it, 70-something percent of your body, Steve? Okay. Um, we need water to have good health. We need water to have uh, plant life. Many good things cannot be attained except for water. Your health, plant life, food. I mean, even if you, what is it, certain recipes of some brownie recipe. You know, you got all this stuff and egg and the powder and like a little bit of water. Oh, okay. Just that little bit of water make a difference? Yep. Water makes a big difference. Many good things in life cannot be obtained without water. Uh, even cement. You got all your more, you got your, your pre-mixed stuff with the lime and whatever else is in there. And got to add a little bit of water. Doesn't even have to be much. Um, a clean body. You ever get like that? You're like, oh, my hands are sticky. I don't have any of those wipes down in the cushion of my seat anywhere. There's no more hand sanitizer. So you have some old water bottles. Like, even if you have just a little bit of water, in a, a water bottle, and you have dirty hands, just a little bit, you're like, oh, good, that helped a lot. Maybe I'm the only one that does that, you know. I, I like, you know, just a little bit of water is necessary 
to have even clean hands. Many good things cannot be obtained without water. So here's again what the Holy Spirit has described to us. New heaven, new earth, new freedom from the curse. Then he stops because he's going to describe more of it. And he says, wait, I'm going to give, the Lord says, I'm Alpha and Omega in the beginning and the end. I will give to him that is a thirst of the water of life freely. In other words, you're not even going to get to this stuff. You're not going to see the rest of this new Jerusalem. We're not going to see heaven unless you have those spiritual water of life that's necessary in order to obtain eternal life. A call to drink. The free water, what is this free water? It's a symbol of a person accepting their, uh, Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That is, the, that is equi- the equivalent of taking the water of life. Again, I say it again. What is the water of life? What is drinking the water of life? It's not literally a, a well you find somewhere. It's not some fountain found in Florida somewhere or some other part of the world. It's a coming to a spiritual realization of Jesus Christ coming to the earth, dying for your sins, and you humble yourself enough to accept that, that He died for your sins on your behalf and He rose from the dead. And when you accept that, it's the spiritual equivalent of taking the water of life and you'll live forever. That simple thing, just like a little bit of water makes a big difference, just that simple thing of accepting Jesus Christ makes an eternal difference. And now we get, you can, you'll know that new Jerusalem. Let's look at four things related to this water of life tonight. We're going to look at the offerer, the one who's offering it. Number two, we'll look at the offer itself. Number three, we'll look at the overcomer who accepts the offer. And then last of all, we'll look at the others who refuse the offer. All right? Those four parts, and then we'll wrap it up. Number one, the offerer. Who's offering eternal life here? Look at chapter 6, verse, first part. Or pardon me, chapter 21, verse 6. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him. So the offerer is the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, it's done. I got, I've, I've described to you everything. I've described to you everything I'm going to do with the churches, with the tribulation, with the millennium, new heaven and new earth, the, the judgment seat, the new heaven and new earth. It's done. Now, I will give. I'm the giver. Uh, to him of the water of life freely. I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning. I was before all this stuff started. History. And I'm, at, I'm beyond the, when history, the human, this current age, these current ages end, I'm beyond that. I'm the beginning, the end. I got everything wrapped up. I, I'm, I encompass all this. He's the sovereign Lord. He is the Lord who, who gives and dispenses eternal life. That's who the offerer is. You know, um, there's certain... Uh, people that are, have kind of a monopoly on a certain product, you know. They're the only ones that can give out this certain thing. You know, there's certain people, there's certain restaurants you have. Some of the best restaurants are the restaurants that are on a chain. You know, it's like, there's this one guy, and he makes these awesome enchiladas at this one little hole-in-the-wall Mexican place, and you're not going to find them anywhere like it, anywhere. You know, like, oh, really? It's like, this is almost like the fountain of life, except it's for enchiladas. Where is it? You know? And you find people like that. You ever have a unique place like that? Uh, Kevin Youngblood, Brother Youngblood, told me about some place in Georgia. They had the, the best hamburgers. It's like they killed the cow that, smor- that morning, drained his blood, ground up him, got that meat right I mean, it's probably still room temperature, got it over to the, to the grill, made those hamburgers, and people are lining up down the road for these hamburgers. He told me about I'm, I, It's kind of exaggerating, but something like that, you know. And he's like, that is the best place for hamburgers. And I'm like, yeah. 
I want to go. Where's it at? But he says it's like a little small place. And he says, like, I think they close like at 1 o'clock. You know, they're only open five or six hours or something like that. I want to go. Where is it? Tell them to move here, you know. And Jesus is the one. So he says, I give the water of life. Who is it? It's him. He's the only one. So we go to him. We don't go to the church. You don't go to me. You don't go to uh, yourself. You don't find some place on earth that you drink and it makes you live forever. No, it's Jesus. He's the offerer. Number two, the offer itself. The nature of the offer. Notice we're going to give three descriptions of this offer itself. Verse, the end of verse 6. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. So the Lord, here's the offer. It entails those who are thirsty. I will give unto him that is a thirst. You know, some people have no thirst for God. They have no thirst for eternal life. They have no thirst to be saved. They don't really care. They think they're fine. They think they're fine. And that's why, again, it's important for a person. Again, we talk about negative things that people need to come to grips with. There are negative things people need to come to grips with if they want to get better. A person, if they want to be healed from cancer, they need to come to the negative reality of of their corrosion in their body so they can get some treatment, which, of course, not always works. But you have to come to grips with a negative condition if you want to get better physically, even with a car, if you have an engine problem, persons, it's not going to get better unless they come to an honest assessment of, okay, my O-rings or my piston rings are, are worn out or whatever, my valve guides are in some part, my, it is messed up, I'm going to do a full overhaul. They'll never fix it until they're convinced there's a problem. Then they can fix it and it gets better. And same thing with people. They're never going to take the water of life that is except Jesus Christ as their Savior and live forever and have eternal life until they realize they are dry. They are thirsty. They don't even realize that some people don't realize that they're thirsty. Sometimes you give a little bit of law, show them God's moral law and the Ten Commandments, and people are like, I'm busted. I've messed up. I am a liar. I am, I am an adulterer in heart. I've blasphemed God's name, saying OMG all the time, and these other euphemisms. Boy, these people need to come face to face with the mirror of God's law and think, boy, I'm spiritually messed up. I'm thirsty. Where's some help? Jesus? Okay. Jesus, you're my Savior. And that's the Jesus is the advocate to get us out of our lawful trouble with God. Jesus is the water of life to quench our barren sin. Uh, we're barren because of sin souls. Yes, Jesus says, I'm giving to those who are thirsty. That's why if somebody's listening, you can, we need to preach the gospel to every preacher, every creature, everybody who will listen. But some people, they're just like, mm, okay, don't run somebody through a prayer right. if they have no desire. Because whosoever will right. may come. Not whosoever is okay. Or like, you know, whatever. Whosoever, whatever. It's whosoever will. And so I remember Brother Getz, our evangelist, was with us last month. He said he got COVID like, I don't know, a year, maybe two year and a half ago, something like that. And we were talking about it when we were out visiting. And he said, he said what was weird, he says, I got COVID. I, I wasn't feeling that well, he said. And he said, I, 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 looking back, I didn't know it, but I had COVID. And he said, but what really got me is that when I had COVID, I didn't realize it till later. But he goes, or till a few days later, he says, but I didn't have a thirst. You know how everybody's had these weird symptoms? You know, there's some common symptoms, and then you have weird symptoms. He said, I wasn't thirsty. And I didn't realize I wasn't thirsty, and I didn't realize I wasn't drinking, and I didn't realize I was dehydrated until after a few days 
being sick, it was really bad. He goes, wait a minute, I haven't been drinking. And I think he went to the doctor, so I don't know. And he said it took, it, it uh, somehow did something to his thirst senses. You know, it's good to have a sense of thirst, right? And it is for people. So the Lord Jesus says, look, if you're thirsty, I will give unto him that is a thirst. John 7, 37, that great day, the great day of the feast, Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, and I will give him uh, the living water, Jesus said. I love these texts, and there's a text there in, um, where is that at? It's in Isaiah Isaiah 55, ho to him. Let's look at Isaiah 55. So we're talking about, again, God's call to those who are thirsty and the people who are thirsty can have his, his uh, eternal life for free. Okay, Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 3. Ho, it's like saying, hey, to everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. That's an Old Testament way of expressing the gospel. Hey, come to me, the Lord says. It's free. My salvation's free. All right? So the offer is for those who thirst. The offer is... Um, basically, and to, it shows that drinking is an act of faith. If I were to give you a bottle of water, you got a bottle of water down there, Grant? All right? So Grant, come bring me the bottle of water. So he gives me that. Oh, thank you. So I'm trusting. Ooh, that's cold. I'm trusting Grant and um, that he's given me something good. And when I drink the water, you know what? <laughs> I really can't do much once I take the water. It's just like I just take it. I don't want to make you all thirsty if I drink. I just take it, and I'm just trusting. It's coming into me. I'm receiving it. Drinking is an act of faith. Think about that. Aren't you glad the simple little uh, symbolism that the Lord gives? That should help us when we say, you know, just accepting Jesus as your Savior is just like drinking. You just, Lord, you know, you drink, you just receive it. So you say, Lord Jesus, I want to receive you. Be my Savior. But that was how it was with me as a five-year-old boy. Jesus, be my Savior. I believe you. Come save me. It was just like drinking water. By the way, even a baby can drink water. What's the first thing they do? They start, you know, they get the mom wants to get the baby to latch on and start having some of that stuff there. And that shows us anybody can get saved. It's real simple. It's receiving. So the offer is for those who thirst. The offer, it shows that it's drinking, and drinking is an act of faith. And the offer is for free. Again, we just read in Isaiah, come without money, without price. You can buy something but not have to have any money for it. (laughs) Don't you like free stuff? Anybody have anything free lately that was pretty cool you want to raise your hand and give a testimony tonight about? Any free stuff lately? Yeah? Free something? Yeah? Somebody has a coupon you want to use tonight. Buy one, get one free. Ah, but you're still buying. You know? 
How about just show up and it's free, you know? I've had some of that before. I like, we like free stuff. Well, the Bible says this is free. Uh, there's a lot of verses we can look at. Romans 3.24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we talked about here's Jesus, the offerer. Here's the offer itself. I will give to Him that's thirsty. You just take in. It's an act of faith. And it is free. And number three, the third of four points is the overcomer. Notice verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. He that overcometh, that's the word where we get the word Nike. He that wins over, he that's the winner, is going to inherit everything. That is, uh, it's talking about a believer. Who is an overcomer? 1 John 5, 4. Who is he that overcometh? (laughs) It's not the guy that's going to win the Super Bowl tonight. That's a temporary overcoming. That's a temporary victory. Who is he that overcometh? It's not the guy that wins the bobsled gold or snowboarding gold. That's a temporary, short-term, passing moment of overcoming. But who is really he that overcometh the world? You and I. He that believeth that Jesus is the Christ. That's he that overcometh. It says 1 John 5, 4. You know, sometimes you beat a team. You play basketball and you beat a team and then you think, I'm going to... Maybe we'll beat them again. And you don't beat them again. They beat you, you know. But with us, we're going to win over all the bad things of the world. We're going to overcome the world through Jesus. Jesus says, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. Well, that's the next thing. The overcomer is a believer. The overcomer inherits all things. Hey, inheritance. Has anybody ever gotten an inheritance? And I'm not asking you what because I'm not interested in your riches or your small. Anybody ever get an inheritance? Big or small? A few? Okay. Got a little something. You know, my, my, when my mother, when my uh, wife's grandmother died, that's Pastor Roy's mom, when she died, she had, they had very, very simple life. And uh, I think like all of what she, when she died, I think Pastor Roy, he went back to upstate New York, did the funeral, came back here with the rest of the family, which would have been the grandkids of the, the grandma that died my wife and her siblings, and it was like a suitcase. I said, here's what I got left to leave y'all. You know, some little things. And you know what? They're precious. You know, like a, maybe a doily, uh, something, a game. I think it was a game of called Sorry for my brother-in-law, David, because he used to play that with his grandma. You know, she, they inherited a few little things there. And it was precious to them, you know. What does the Lord say about us that we overcome in Him? What do we inherit? All things. All things. Whoa. Let's look in 1 Corinthians 3. Hold your place. Look in 1 Corinthians 3, 21 to 23. 1 Corinthians 3, 21 to 23. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 3, 21, Therefore let no man glory in men for all Things are yours. Really? That does mean you go start stealing stuff. It's looking beyond this temporal stuff. All things are yours. Verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, those are like the big shot spiritual leaders of the day. Hey, they're all part of your family, he says. Or the world or life or death. We got that covered too. 
or things present or things to come, all are yours and ye are Christ's. Oh, I belong to Christ. And Christ is God's. Whoa! And we're going to realize that in this day when, when God accomplishes His plans for this current earth and creates a new heaven and a new earth, we're going to be like, boy, I got this whole earth and I get to heaven and I get God dwelling among us. All things are mine. That's what he says. He that overcometh, look what it says, shall inherit all things. Back in Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. The new Jerusalem will have an inheritance. We look for this stuff. And what else about the overcomer? He says, I will be his God. He, the overcomer, he's, he's a believer. He inherits all things. God says, I will be his God. That's special closeness, proximity. There's going to be a unique closeness that will Enjoy with God in the eternal state. I can't describe it very well. Maybe we'll learn more about it as we go along. And then he says, and he shall be my son, 1 John 3, 1. He shall be my son. You know, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are his son. Isn't that great? You're his son. You're his daughter also. A believer in Jesus Christ, we are the sons and daughters of God. When... People can be hydrated. They can overcome a lot of things. You know, even if you're not good at hiking or you're not good at running, if you can stay reasonably hydrated, you can go a long way, right? Uh, especially hiking. Stay hydrated, you know. People can get dehydrated even in the wintertime here in Arizona. It's a dry cold. But if you can stay hydrated, you can get through a lot of things. And the Lord says, if you just take in my son, you're going to get over everything, Overcomer. Number four, the last thing, and here's the tough stuff here, but it's what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us. This is very relevant uh, from the Lord, learning about this next thing, others, the others who refuse the offer. What of these people who refuse the offer? Look at verse 8. There's four, or there's eight descriptions. The fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. How many of you would, would wonder, you know, if, if I was, um, I don't know how to describe this. Uh, if somebody, say you're in a store and uh, you're doing your shopping, all of a sudden they come on the intercom and they said, okay, if anybody's parked in the east end of the parking lot, you're in the wrong spot. You're in the wrong spot and you're going to get a ticket. That was actually closed off because, the, whatever, the police are reserving that for some training or whatever, and you may have not seen that sign, but you're in the wrong spot. And you heard that on the intercom, that I'm parked in the wrong spot. What would you do? Oh, get out of there. You know, get out and go move your car, right? I'm in the wrong spot. I got warned. I better move. I better change things. I'm being warned. I'll have my part in a ticket. And here's God's call. He's saying he's giving external descriptions of people who internally have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. He says these are people who, have, um, who, have who are choosing Christ or who are choosing this sin over Christ. And they don't have the water of life. Look what it says there. But the fearful, you know what that means? The cowardly. 
will have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Let me pause a second. What are we describing? We're describing a bunch of different sins, right? It doesn't mean if you've ever done one of these sins that you're going to go to the lake of fire. All right? It doesn't mean that. It's saying people who are choosing this over Christ, the fearful, that's talking about the cowardly, those who shun the gospel message and gospel messengers. Hide in, sometimes I've had people, men who I thought were you know, brave and everything, hide from me. And not because I'm something intimidating, I'm not. But they might get a sense I'm going to give a gospel message or witness to them, and they hide from me. Now, they could have may, may as well have hide from one of you as a gospel witness. And I realize that they're cowardly. They don't want to face up to a gospel message and the truth. Hide in their home. Hide behind their keyboard. The cowardly. There's going to be people who will go to hell because they're cowardly. The fearful. Number, the second one, the unbelieving. They outright reject Christ. Number three, the abominable. That is, they're polluted. They're saturated with immorality. Have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Uh, number four, murderers. That is, people who unlawfully take another person's life. There's no repentance of it like there was of Paul or some other murderers in the Bible. They unlawfully take another person's life and there's no repentance. Whoremongers, the word is pornos, people who are indulged in whoremongering, whoremongering type of thing, whether you're, per, you're perpetuating it, you're producing it as a Hollywood producer. By the way, you need, we got to be really watch out what we're watching. I know there's so many kinds of entertainment outlets Movies and Netflix and satellite stuff and cable stuff and internet and Amazon stuff and all that stuff. And there's so much venues out there and a lot of them are really got to watch what's out there. I mean, not watch all of it, but watch what you be careful what you decide to watch. Because a lot of it's perpetuating just whoremongering. Even some things that might be called made for TV. So it says the whoremongering, the adulterer, the sodomite, the rapist, the fornicators, the movie producers who perpetuate it, that would be include them, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone unless they repent. Sorcerers, the occultic, the witchcraft followers. I'm amazed at how some people are becoming fascinated with witchcraft and sorcery as Christians. The idolaters. Those who place someone or something over the true God shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. And then all liars, all liars. Wow. Well, it's like, whoa, man, I've lied. Yeah. Well, wait, well, are you a repentant liar? You know, is this your lifestyle? This is not me. I lie and I don't really care about it. Well, then you might want to check yourself because you may have a part which burnt in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. So here's the scripture tonight. Here's the passage that tells us God's call to the water of life. I hope that this brings to our mind some kind of urgency for others and some kind of thought like maybe I can, you know, offering water is simple, isn't it? I can offer Jesus, that's simple. And that's what I need to do tonight. You know, I, you know you've heard of the, the story of the, uh, maybe you've heard of Juan Ponce de Leon, you heard of him? The Spanish explorer, conquistador. Um, they, I don't even know if it's true because I've been reading a little more extensively on it, but when I learned of him, they told us in high school and junior high that he was the Spanish explorer. Of course, we have several different explorers in 1400s, 1600s, went around the world. Some went from Europe to you know, this side of the hemisphere, and he was 
he, he was the first governor of Puerto Rico. He got on some of the Caribbean islands, Bahamas, went to Florida. He was, the, he was not the first European to Florida. He was the first one to make a big deal of it and popularize it. Um, but they said, and I don't even know if it's true, they said he was looking for the fountain of youth. And um, uh, some historians have since, after studying it, cast doubt on the fact that he was actually looking for that when he went to Florida. He may have just been trying to extend the kingdom of Spain. Uh, but, but I started looking at the concept of the fountain of youth. That idea goes back to the days of the Greeks. People speaking about the fountain of youth. There's a place somewhere where there's water and you can drink and restore an older man to youth so that he can marry again and have kids. And some men are thinking, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. But, you know, some people are like that. And you throw dead leaves in there and they'll come back to life, you know. And they have all these things. And, but you might have to go over there to across the sea in some place in the new world and look around and ask the natives and go through a maze of different things and pay them some gold and you'll find it, you know. And there's those types of legends that if you just go and travel and far and search and you'll get it. And, and the Lord Jesus just says it to anybody who hears and knows what he's done for them. He that uh, I'm giving you, I'll offer you the water if you'll just... You'll just, in your heart, accept me. You'll have it, and you'll live forever. The body, you'll put off this board, this mortal body, get a new one, and you'll live forever and ever. That's God's call to the water of life tonight.